Hello and welcome to Chess K Podcast, where you break down and review a movie, and you know, just try and have a bit of fun while doing it. So, I'm your host, Breaking Thomas Hughes. I wonder what film we're watching. You made that joke last week. Did I? At the end. Oh, yeah. You're like, I wonder. <laughs> I completely forgot. My mind was just like, you've already made a Wonder Woman joke. I remember from last week. I've heard it twice. I heard it fucking obviously in editing and in recording. So I'm like, my mind's set to that. Just like James's Mr. Freeze fucking reference, which is not fucking Captain Cold. Uh, oh, James. Luckily, he's not here. Uh, today yeah. we're discussing Wonder Woman. I wonder why. <laughs> released in 2017. It's uh, both a prequel and a sequel to Wonder Woman's appearance in Batman vs. Superman. With the start yeah. and end being the, uh, the sequel part, but the bit in the middle being the prequel. Uh, the movie is very similar to Captain America, we'll point that out right now. Um... Yeah. Although there are some moments which I think they do better than Captain America. Yeah, there are. Well, mm. then again, that was fucking 20... Was it 2011, was it Captain America came out? I think so. So obviously they've got a lot of time to learn from that. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, this movie is very similar to Suicide Squad from last week, which was the first villain-focused movie since Catwoman. But in this case, it's the first female-focused DC comic book yeah. movie since Catwoman. It's the first female-focused <laughs> comic book hero movie since, obviously, Supergirl in 1984, the DC. Yeah. But in terms of actual, every single comic book franchise out there, it's the first since Marvel's Electra in 2005. Mm. So, you know, uh, it didn't really have a lot to beat to actually be a good movie. Because all those movies were critically uh, panned, <laughs> so it's, it's not it's not as if uh, it's got a lot to beat. And the fact it's coming off the back of two movies that were critically panned as well, in form of Suicide Squad and BVS, it's yeah. still got a lot to beat to make people go, "That film was amazing." <laughs> it's definitely, it definitely is like it's just a high point for Wonder Woman. Yeah, it's, after the fucking appearance last uh, in BVS, sorry, when you're like, "Ah, oh, she's good," and then you watch this, and you're like, "Okay, we get to see a." Like, Build up and whatnot. That's good. That's good. I'm enjoying this. And then she has the low point in terms of Wonder Woman 1984. But anyway, uh, we're not talking about that today. So um, this uh, movie was directed by Patty uh, Jenkins, whose only cinema released movie credit prior to this was her 2003 critically acclaimed movie Monster, which won an Oscar among many other awards. Mm-hmm. She literally went from that, did a few TV episodes here and there, and then did this. So it's quite a big gamble to, uh, for Warner Brothers eyes to go from because essentially it's what 2003 to 2017 it's what 14 years. Yeah. It's so it's, it's, it's a big jump in terms of theatrical movies. So if you look at like Snyder, he was doing movies literally you know, every, either every year or every other year before he got onto Ooh. Man of Steel. Literally before Man of Steel, he was like, three years was back to back movies he was doing, and David Ayer had done quite a few films prior as well. So it's a big gamble on uh, Warner Bros. half, but it, you know, it paid off because it's, you know, mm. it's a good film. <laughs> Which obviously we'll get to now and we give some uh, early thoughts. Because yeah. obviously it, it's a lot different to what we've been watching in the last like three movies. Because obviously, you no, know, it does have that dark overtone. It's a lot more fun at mm. times. Obviously, Suicide Squad was fun, but it still obviously was heavily dark. Yeah. This. I wouldn't say heavily dark. It's dark, but to an extent, it knows when to hold back and mm-hmm. give you more fun, like in terms of its obviously characters it brings in. Yeah. In, but it knows when to have fun. Obviously, it's set during World War One. There's going to be a few serious moments. Exactly. So, obviously, every sort of moment in Femascara is obviously quite serious. And yeah. every moment when it's like, takes you to Britain and like, building up to that bit. Uh, it's a bit lighter. Okay, there's a little few like serious moments, obviously when they're in the the war room talking about stuff, but it's still a bit lighter at times. And obviously then it goes darker in terms of going to the war. But then even then it knows when to take it a bit lighter. When uh, it takes mm. a little break when the the dancing in the snow, it knows when to have that little break from the darkness to you know ease mm. you up, ready for you know the big fight. So I mad respect because it does well in my opinion. It knows when to like make certain characters funny and not all of them like that they have obviously their own comp relief characters instead of just like forcing all of them 
to try and make a funny, funny like no suits high squad. Yeah. Yeah, because in, terms, had, uh, in terms, yeah. terms of like comedy based mm. characters, obviously Etta Candy is one of them. Mm. Uh, Steve does have a few moments when he's quite funny. Obviously, Wonder Woman herself has a couple of moments. Yeah. She missed every other character. Obviously, his team as well, especially uh, Charlie and Samir. They know, and obviously, to be the comedy moments, but everyone else is pretty much mm. serious. So it's not like it's forcing it down your throat. It mm. knows when to force it enough, but not too much. It's like I think as well with like Wonder Woman's comedy, it's more like the innocence. Yeah. Like where obviously she's never seen the pee pee before. So <laughs> she's never seen use, ice cream before. <laughs> yeah, they use that kind of way as doing her comedy instead of just like trying to make a crack one liners. Like, like you got a dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got what you're saying. I feel like I've still got my jacket on. It's really warm. And you can imagine, like, she just turns around, like, I've seen people on Amazon with bigger ones than hers. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't even got one. Like, <laughs> Cold. <laughs> I, get what, I, get, I get what you're saying. It knows when to do nothing, and obviously it knows when to give you, like, the action to, you know, you know for the people who are there for the, the big fight scenes, it knows when to, you know, give those moments. So, yeah. it's good. It's good. Good for characterization, like they stick to stick with the character and yeah. like how they're supposed to be, really. Because obviously that was your sort of major flaw with BBS. Obviously they had the whole Superman side of it, and we, well, we both yeah. pointed out that it should have been focused more on Batman, mm-hmm. and then maybe going to BBS. So obviously had his solo movie, like Man of Steel, was fully focused on Superman, yeah. and it gave you that character building. Obviously, yeah, you had all these other characters around him, but it obviously had these moments with mm-hmm. them, but it was more focused heavily on him. Whereas this does the same with that situation again it fucks off the idea of the other two which was overcrowded and gives you a full focus on diana yeah it focuses mm. on the overcrowded and get a few scenes with the villains but it's more they're more just the side plot where she's the full focus mm-hmm. whereas obviously bvs batman and superman were meant to be the full focus which obviously we both pointed out didn't really work yeah so it's a, mm. it's a change of pace definitely although it does it does have its own flaws Obviously, every uh, every, de- every every film pretty much has its own flaws, especially mm. DC movies. But it's, the, it's still the a main good, movie. yeah, your main. Obviously, we'll get to that later on. Yeah. In terms, of obviously, the sort of special effects and just the character in general. I mean, it's a good idea. Ares was, but it's just it wasn't executed properly. Like, essentially, they used the wrong twist. Yeah, because we both agreed mm. that either. Well, we we but for first was like, oh, they should have done it as a the Doctor Poison. So that would have made mm. more sense. Built it around the general, but then obviously revealed it's her. But then obviously I was like, at the end of the film, I was like, oh, imagine if it was like Steve all along, and you were like, yes, that would be like the biggest twist like, ever, like biggest fuck you to the mm. audience ever. And also, I probably wouldn't have made the next film as bad. Exactly, like, the totally not a raping dead body scene. Exactly. Yes. Because, ah, questionable. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll move on then to the opening sequence. Yeah. And okay. Obviously, the actual technically opening sequence of the movie is Batman basically sending Wonder Woman the, the picture from the first, when she, obviously mm-hmm. they first met. So there's not too much to talk about there. It's very basic, very run mill, and obviously just leads into her giving us the actual story we want to, you know, see. So we'll actually talk more about, obviously, when you meet young Diana and obviously meet mm-hmm. Femascara for the first time. And... I really like this opening sequence. Obviously, it got to show her innocence when she was younger. Yeah. Like, she just run away. She didn't care about anything but fighting. And uh, it obviously got a teacher chasing after her. She's there doing all these fucking flips and like, jumping around and whatnot, trying to hide. And then she's just watching everyone fight and she's obviously trying to join in from above. So I, I do like that. And obviously, it gives you the story of, obviously, the background to Femiscare and obviously the gods and whatnot. Yeah. So. And also about her as well. Because for the whole the whole point of that scene is to show she's the only child on Ferrascara. Yeah, because it, it at least said, isn't it? Because I think the yeah. the Queen says she's the only child on Ferrascara. Mm. So, you know, let her be a it's child. Cool. It sets up her being a demigod. Yeah, exactly. It's a very nice opening for the movie. It gives that mm-hmm. little heart at the start before, obviously, it goes a bit more serious. So it's a nice, nice opening. I get to DC though. They usually open quite nice. Obviously, we Krypton in the first man in Man of Steel. That was a nice opening. Uh, the sort of cinematic style of uh, 
the Wayne death of the music. I think that was a nice opening. Yeah, that was good. Um, for that film. <laughs> Suicide Squad obviously had the fucking roll call opening, which was mm. really good. And then obviously this has the obviously Femascara opening, which is it also good. I, I will give, I'll give DC massive credit. They always make really good openings, even if sometimes a lot of their I mean, decisions are very I questionable. Mean, <laughs> yeah, all, all, the openings, all the openings are good. Except for the theatrical cut of Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't talk about that one. No, because we're that skipping that entirely. It doesn't exist anymore. Yep. We're skipping that entirely. And you'll see why at the end. <laughs> For good reason. Yep. Anyway, um, yeah, well, good opening. So we'll move on to the actual cast and characters. Mm-hmm. So obviously we'll start for the Amazons. So there's three main Amazons here. So obviously first is Diana. Since technically speaking, she's not Wonder Woman yet. It's never, yeah. She's never called Wonder Woman. So it's just Diana. Mm-hmm. It, but it's like how um, Wanda Maximoff is not Scarlet Witch until WandaVision. Spoiler. Exactly. Even though, we, even though we all know she's Scarlet Witch, she was it's, never called it. It's also like in Man of Steel, where Superman's mm-hmm. not called Superman to about the halfway point. Yeah. He's just referred to the. This, they don't even have a name for him. So mm. it's basically like that. But yeah. Or Logan, Logan being called Wolverine because a random person started doing a story about a wolf, even though technically Wolverines aren't wolves. Like, oh, I'll call that because. Vagina. <laughs> <Sim>. <laughs> but yeah, uh, she's, <laughs> she's again played by Gal Gadot, who's in Ralph Breaks the Internet, a sequel that James did not like. <laughs> Little callback to last week when you mentioned it. Technically, I haven't watched the first one. Oh, you should watch the first one. first one's good. Second one is alright, it's just not as good. Uh, but yeah, she brings the same sort of charm she brought to BBS mm. when she obviously just took over entirely, but I feel mm. like she brings a lot more to the table this time around for the fact that she gets a lot more screen time, there's a lot more backstory to her, and there's a lot more emotion mm. at times to her rather than just this badass side of her. Because obviously BVS, you only got to see the badass side, you don't got to see the emotional side, you do get to see in this, so I do prefer her in this. But that's obviously mm. going to be the case anyway, because she gets more screen time. I suppose we do get a lot more called badass moments as well. Obviously. <laughs> She's a badass altogether. I'll give Warner Brothers credit for the fact that if you look at obviously Marvel, it took them to what twenty nineteen was it to bring their first like superhero, like female superhero into the MCU? Like the first ever like official like yeah, it was Captain Marvel, wasn't it? Yeah. That was the first That's like the movie based on obviously one of their female characters. Obviously, there've been loads of, like characters mm-hmm. here, here and there, but they never got the full focus. So I give Warner Brothers credit for uh, very like, what four movies in is this to give yeah. basically. One woman has shot and it worked because it's a great movie. And mm. fucking Gal Gadot is one of the reasons it is a great movie. Definitely. She adds that, like, quite very, like, formidable, formidable, like, intimidating kind of character, but also that sort of heartwarming as well. Because I see the moment when, at the, at the end, spoiler, her lover goes boom. She, like, the actual, like, the set you can see on her face, how heartbroken she is, and then realizes like, I think this is the anger she feels. Well, when obviously it happens, it's portrayed really well, and you know helps to hide the really bad. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> um. So, obviously, next up we have her mom, Hi- uh, Hippolytia, mm-hmm. right? uh, played by Connie Nielsen, who was in Gladiator. Are you sure it's not Martha? Oh, sorry. Misread <laughs> me notes there. Uh, her name's Martha. Uh, just like Batman and Superman, uh, Wonder Woman's mom is also called Martha, so they're going to have another Martha moment when all yeah. three of them meet again. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, um, obviously, it's the first time we're getting to meet her mom, because, obviously, she wasn't in BVS. And... Obviously, she she brings the heart to Diana. So obviously, the next character I'll speak about gives the backbone, like the warrior side. Whereas, obviously, she brings like the, the niceness, the I obviously respect and everything because yeah, she's like, the queen of the Amazons. She, obviously, well, she obviously worries about her and doesn't want her to obviously get hurt and not to be corrupted by fighting and stuff because she wants her to be the 
I think I'm guessing she wants her to not go to her full potential because that means her having to fight Ares. You know, I don't think she wants that to happen. Nah. Mm. Very clearly wanted her not to go to the war because she knew what was going to happen. But then again, she knew at that one point when she lets her go, she knows that mm. she can't stop her. She just needs to respect her, what she wants her to do. Destiny. Exactly, it's her destiny. And I, I think it's a good, very good character. If, Mm. Obviously, you only get her for the first like little bit of the movie, like very start. But that was that little segment we get of her. It's less badass; it's more like, uh, motherly love. Whereas, obviously, you're seeing just Talisha; she's more badass. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like a little build up, essentially. It's the, the opposite to a Wonder Woman in the sense because the first movie she's badass, then she's still badass. Don't get me wrong, but she's more heartwarming and whatnot. Whereas, obviously, this way around it's the other way around: heartwarming, too badass. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, talking of a badass, you have a uh, Anitope, I don't know how you pronounce that, uh, played by Robin Wright, who was in Blade Runner 2049, which ironically started Jared Leto. Um, and she, obviously, as I said, if uh, her mom brings the love and compassion to Diana, she mm-hmm. brings the backbone, the spying, the warrior mm-hmm. side, just because the character's badass. If I get the funk up off my camera. Because literally that one that one scene just like summed that character up. The uh the bow scene when she just jumps up and is like shot with yeah. three that scene was incredible. And like, it, it summed her it up. Helped. Like it inspired obviously Diana to um, be brave and to put her life on the line for others. Exactly. And she it's just obviously you only get you get less time with her because obviously, you know, spoiler alert, she dies. But uh, it it shows in that like, brief amount of time that you get to see, obviously her training with Diana. So obviously she wants the best out of her in terms of the combat side of her. But the fact that she trained her from a young age when her mom didn't know, and when obviously she dies taking the bullet for Diana, because essentially she's like another daughter. She's literally like a daughter to her. Mm. You saw obviously the emotion on Diana's face. She meant that much. So. She's a very interesting character, even though we sadly didn't get to see much of her. Mm. Obviously, it made sense for the plot purposes to force Diana to want to leave Famiscari to fight the war because of what's happened to mm. her. So it makes sense. <laughs> it's, it follows a good progression. Yeah, exactly. And obviously, uh, talking of that, the war. we obviously got some soldiers in this film. So, uh, yeah. First off, we have uh, Steve Trevor, a very uh, well-known name in the DC universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's played by Chris Pine, who was in Star Trek, and he he brings a, obviously another badass side to it because obviously he brings the more you know, the gun side of it and whatnot and you know stuff like that. But he also brings he brings out the emotion more in Diana for the fact that obviously they get really close, fall in love. He goes boom yeah. boom. She did, goes did, no. America, but without the surviving bit. Basically, but. Essentially, yes. And at the same time, it's basically like Captain America, but the opposite way around. So, it's, think of it as Agent Carter as uh, Captain America and Steve as... This is that what-if episode? Yes, basically <laughs> it is. I'm very much looking forward to that when it comes out. Oh, yeah, essentially, it is, the, it is the opposite. It's the opposite to Captain America First Avenger, which is basically like what-if episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except if... in this version, he doesn't get an Iron Man suit like uh, that version does. Yeah. He just gets a big plane that goes boom, boom. <laughs> There's only so many times I can say big plane, boom, boom. Big <laughs> boom, boom, boom. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I really liked his character. But I'm a big fan of Chris Pine, thanks to the Star Trek trilogy, because I love him in that as Captain Kirk. And he sort of brings that same style of character to this, but obviously less, you know, space, Star Trek-y, and more down-to-earth war. So it brings that same charm, but obviously mm. allows it to work into this essentially war vet. So yeah. I, I like that. The only thing that might character better would be if it was actually Ares the entire time. Exactly. However, it would be a little bit, you know, Sweet Home Alabama. Because technically, <laughs> Ares and Diana are brother and sister. So it would well, be a little well, bit weird. Well, well, they are gods, so, you know, they're fucking... As we keep saying, obviously, the Greek gods were basically the first rednecks. So, yeah, I mean, straight away, Hades and Thessalon, seriously. 
Plus, it would have been like an even bigger. Napa. It would have been an even bigger shock, to be fair, though, because you'd be like, wait, aren't those two siblings? <gasps> what the fuck? <laughs> yes, it would be. <laughs> would, would, would one of brothers, like, do that, though? I mean, probably not. It took him fucking many years to get a fucking Snyder cut out. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, it would have been a probably a better twist than random guy that appears in a couple of scenes with mustache. Um, but if anyway. he's British, they must be evil. <laughs> exactly. Uh, anyway, uh, next up we have Charlie, who's played by Ewan Bremner, not Hugh McGregor, Hayden. Oh, uh, why not? <laughs> so they both were in Train Spotting together. Uh, we trains? <laughs> obviously, he's the Scottish humour of the movie. The fact that when you instantly see him, he's like getting drunk and whatnot. Yeah, the classic Scott. Uh, wearing a kilt. Classic Scott. <laughs> In your hair, fucking messed up beard. Classic Scott. PTSD. Classic Scott. <laughs> but I mean, he obviously, he, obviously, when it comes to fighting, he knows when to get involved, but he, he's more there as the comic relief for the fact that instantly when they get uh, to the campfire he's there he's fucking killed over the fire fucking wafting the flames up his crotch literally like the only way it could be more stereotypical is if he had a like bagpipes. a deep Mars bar or something carried only some bagpipes um, yeah bagpipes a deep fried kebab and deep fried Mars bar <laughs> yeah snacking on it <laughs> uh, I love the scene of in Avengers uh, Infinity War with all these Americans getting so confused as to why that Scottish um, chip shop had we deep fry kebab. <laughs> They're like, why would they do that? They're like, fucking Scotland. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do like his character. He's obviously, he's mm. the one that is like, only in for so many scenes, but when he's in it, he, he brings the, some humour out and he brings the, some action moments as well. And obviously he's got that uh, backstory which you keep hearing about. It's obviously... <laughs> A tragic past because he won't shoot at some point to get very scared. He has night terrors when he's just lying on the floor. So it is a very interesting uh, character. Because mm. he's Scottish. So you like him even more. Obviously, yeah. And he's got Ewan for a first name. You like him even more. He <laughs> <laughs> chose last time to McGregor and fucking. <laughs> You're on. <laughs> uh, next up, we have Samir, who's played by Said. Tag Moy, I don't even pronounce that. Uh, he was in Jojo the Rise of Cobra, and again he's he plays more current relief than anything. He plays a bit more than Charlie, to be fair. But the fact that I was that one scene in the car when he's uh, yeah. pretending to be a uh, Steve's like uh, driver, mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, I forgot the invitation. He's like, oh, please don't hurt me, please. And he's obviously that, obviously that was quite funny. And then when he obviously first meets, he plays the, he's like a womanizer as well at the times. And when he first meets Danny, he's like, hello. <laughs> he, he, I, I, another character I do enjoy. He's, he's quite funny. The, basically, the, the, um, the, the B-Tech uh, Highland Commando is uh, pretty good in this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so there is one more member of the, this B-Tech Howling Commandos who doesn't have many words, so there's not too much to say about his character, but that's obviously the Chief. He's played yeah. by Eugene Braverock. Who's in like? He's one of those actors that appears in like single episodes of TV shows, mm. like uh, Resident Alien, for example, recently. Uh, but he's he does a lot of stunt work as well, from what I was reading on IMDb, including the stunts for The Revenant with Leonardo DiCaprio. And he's say, <laughs> yeah, he did the stunt. He was the bear. Um, but yeah, there's not too much to say about him because he only has a few words. So he's literally just there just to essentially just make this group. Uh, a four-man team, mm. and obviously also be the one that's sort of native and whatnot to sort of t- like go. Okay, this is the way we're going. Basically, the directions go essentially, pretty much. Yeah, because and also at the same yeah. time, he likes obviously to go. Oh yeah, I'll let you know where the bad guy is. Here goes light a fire. Oh, there's smoke over there. Go over there. <laughs> yeah, there's not too much to say about him really. Hmm. He's just, as I say, he's just there to fill out the numbers and throw grenades. Which he does. Yes, he does. Very well. Uh, so we move on then to the bad guys. Uh, so first off is General Londondorf. Yes. He's played Stryker. by Dan- <laughs> Danny Houston, obviously, the last saw when we covered X-Men Origins Wolverine. And he was also in the movie Angel Has Fallen. 
And he's a lot better in this than he uh, was in that film. Yeah. Obviously, there's not too much to his character apart from he's just a bad guy. He's an evil German. So- oh, yeah, so- yeah. He's just basically a non-red, red skull. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking like he's literally like red skull if um, the skull never got red. Exactly. Obviously, he just gives that menacing, so- but brings that menacing nature to the movie. Yeah. Obviously, when he's popping those fucking gas canister things in his nose, he's like getting all this fucking pumped up as hell, fighting and whatnot. That mm. obviously brings that menace inside to it, and obviously he can handle himself with Wonder Woman thanks to this, you know, drug. Yeah. But other than that, there's, there's not much to talk about him in general. He's just he's sort of run the mill bad guy essentially. He's basically the red herring. Like he's there to yeah make that Aries. I mean, he, he did a good job at that. But you do think like your first time watching, it, you're like he could be like you think I'm a bit Aries, especially when he takes the drugs mm. and whatnot. And the comments from obviously Doctor yeah, Poison is like your full uh, power. Yeah, exactly. It's to give you mm. back your strength. Some you're like, oh maybe he's just basically weakened Aries. That's why he's doing this to get pumped up and macho man again. But obviously, red herring. It's good red. I say I agree. Good yeah. red herring. Very good red herring. Good red herring. Good red herring. Just the way it goes to is the wrong place. Yeah. Yep. But this this next character is obviously one another one that we agreed that it could have easily been her. It would have made sense. Obviously, there's less Sweet Home Alabama, and it's yeah. it's still hidden in plain sight. Which is obviously Doctor Maru, Doctor Poison, who's played by mm-hmm. Elena Anaya, who was in Van Helsing. Mm-hmm. And obviously. She's the the one who brings the the threat to the film with the whole gasp that yeah. she makes, and she's the one. Essentially, she's one that brings one room back down to earth at the end. She, that's mm-hmm. what she's there for, and she does that well. Uh, and as we both agreed, she definitely should have been the one that turned to be Ares in the end because hidden in plain sight next to the guy that I thought was Ares. So, mm-hmm. like it, the whole phase of like. Behind what a powerful man is even more powerful than behind him. You know what I mean, but that exactly. kind of thing would have worked well, and it would have been like it's a whole thing of well, like Marvel's done it before. I mean, Cap- the but they made of the Marvel Woman, and it worked. Other films have done it, like Marvel films, some DC films, but not that, that gender swap or swapping something in that, that's different to source material and it would have worked still I mean they are fucking Greek gods who well, knows what they can do well, they, they could have and so they could, it could have still paid it off as it was obviously Ares is still a guy but it was like that's his, his form is taken that's what I mean like they could just switch really exactly and then obviously okay. right at the end when it obviously would have been a big reveal of it's her <laughs> she obviously could have turned straight into that armour and obviously it Maybe they, no, they could, they could, they could, they could, they could have used the British guy's voice. You know, you never know. Because, mm. <laughs> you know, British people, always evil, apparently. Um, then again, we do play some really good bad guys. That's true. <laughs> um, I mean, come on. How many people fucking love Loki? Exactly. <laughs> talking about bad guys, obviously, we have uh, Sir Patrick, you know, mm-hmm. spoiler, Ares, um, who was played by David Furlis, who was in Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban yeah. onwards. And... Mm-hmm. I I like his normal side of him, the British side of him. Uh, sort of the one who's like, here's a bit, here's a bit, of, here's a bit of pocket money for you. Last couple of days, I like that side of him. Obviously, then we got the big reveal at the end. He's Aries, and mm-hmm. it, it's not a big payoff as we would have liked, because you know we've obviously both agreed the two options above us were better options. But I do like the the normal human side of him. That's I don't mind that. I think he does good at that. It's just that you know the Aries side we don't like as much <laughs> yeah I mean, like like it the payoffs are like for example if it was obviously the love interest like it would make it, could make it work because the whole point of Ares he was trying to get her on his side they could say that that's the whole point of him going there in the first place was to get her on his side exactly mm. I could have easily done it they didn't have the kiss like she goes for the kiss she's like ah, ah, ah. actually no <laughs> like the, that's yeah, the like, easier way of getting about the sweet home Alabama thing. Yeah, it's like it's making brush it off. Yeah, and then they realize of what? Wow, it's just like Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, or even yeah. that. The kid has done a Star Wars. <laughs> mm. 
but the whole point of like it being either him or being her would be so much better because it and that's how the twist would be more effective, but also it would make more sense. Yeah. Really. As well as, but, but, oh, he, he whispered into her ear the, the stuff to do. Or just have her know it anyways, because she's Aries. Exactly. Way, way much better sense. Exactly. Uh, we'll talk about a bit of a lightheartedness before we move on. And obviously, lastly, we have uh, Etta Candy. Yeah, mm. One of our favourite characters in this movie. She's played by Lucy Davis, who was in the Chill oh, Adventure, yeah. Sabrina. Mm-hmm. And she does bring that comment related to it because she's hilarious when she comes into it. If I can just move my set around so I can actually get the Funko on screen. Uh, the scene when she goes, obviously, which is this Funko, is when she's got the sword and the shield and she finally gets given it. And she's like, oh, that's heaven. She's there trying to walk around the, like this, the town without this fucking like, sword and shield. And then, when she comes down the corner, fucking... When... Uh, uh, Steve and Diana are getting attacked by those guys and she just comes around the corner and uh, she's got the sword and everything. She's like, don't make me use it. <laughs> she's she's for it. And obviously the um the dress-up scene where they're trying to, uh, she's trying to get uh, Diana dressed into like an mm. outfit. That's quite funny. She's like, oh, 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 oh. She brings a lot of heart to the movie and it's a shame they didn't mm. use her more. Obviously it made sense not to for the fact that most of the film after this was set in the war, so... It makes Left sense. Where I'm going, like she can with the the, the Peg Carter again. She can like be oh, I'm a secret agent secretly. Whoa. Comes in with a big fucking mini gun. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> right, it turns out she was Ares all along. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> Even better payoff that would have been. Oh, <laughs> uh, they still kept her, like the CGI moment, but it's without the helmet. It's the <laughs> I would 100% pay to watch that. I'm joking. It's not quite heavy. I can carry it. She has that comedy side to it still as well. Yeah. She's just a complete idiot version of Ares. Yes. Well, better than what we've got. Yes. Let's let's move on to the story then. Uh, So, the story for people that know, it's obviously Diana ventures off into the world of man after meeting Steve Trevor with hopes of tracking down and defeating Ares so the war will end. Um, And... AP. Yeah. So obviously, like most films, it's very it's not it's a basic plot. It's literally she wants to go mm-hmm. to the war, track down General Ludendorff at first, <clears throat> to kill him, wins wins everything, yada yada. Obviously not him, but you know. Uh but yeah, it's, it's obviously a basic plot, but it, it's still a very good plot because obviously as you say he's got a massive red herring where it's like the entire time it's focused heavily on the general. He's Ares, we've got to destroy him. Obviously the big plot twist at the end, the shit plot twist. Could have been Bella, but it's still overall a very entertaining story, which I like. Yeah, I think well, the story as well is kind of important because the whole point is like obviously, Diana's got to realize obviously that humans have good sides and bad sides, and that like it's good and bad, and they shouldn't just like hate on all humans just because sometimes someone could be pricks. Because the whole point of the Amazons, obviously. They're st- kept away from like humans because they are corruptible and can be evil. But for this shows they can also be have nice be pee pee. Exactly. Stoned by the scenes. <laughs> exactly. So obviously, mm. Steve's the one that is obviously the good heart, the one that <laughs> brings her to the side of uh, not just Steve. Obviously, his whole team brings her to yeah. the side of. Becoming a hero. The, yeah. There is still good in man. Obviously, the Germans and areas of the side that makes it go is the bad side of man, but mm-hmm. they can still be good like these. So yeah. it it's it's good, good plot. It works for what it's got to do. Exactly. Obviously, it's a nice. Obviously, if, even if you obviously you didn't watch BVS, if you skip that movie, and mm. it's a nice introduction to Diana. This way is obviously if you watch that movie you got the nice introduction there of her coming down like you know the badass moments yeah if you, just, if you didn't watch that and you went straight to this it's still a nice plot nice story to introduce you to the world of the mascara and mm. diana's side of this world so it's 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 good it's like oh, can you compare, comparing it to like captain america but like what if you watch avengers before you watch captain america i think like 
when you, when you first see Captain America being Captain America in Avengers, it's quite cool. But obviously, in like like it, Batman's just my first AC Wonder Woman's really cool. But I think the first intro of him actually being Captain America, it's more of a montage and it isn't as like good. You know what I mean? It's more of quick, fast paces. Oh look, it's probably propaganda. It's still fun, but it's not as like impactful as the No Man's Land scene for Wonder Woman. Where that shows her being proper badass, and it works really fucking well. I mean, that, that that's not a way of another reason for why. I think they've done better than Captain America. And that's not the... F- that was probably the first time that they've ever heard me say something good about DC comparing it to Marvel. First ever. <laughs> it's a big moment. I, I, I agree. It, it, it's, it's, it's good. So, obviously, talk about the cinematography next. And I think it's some very good cinematography, especially, as you point out, No Man's Land. Mm-hmm. That, 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 that sequence entirely... I just love the fact, obviously, when she's climbing up the ladder and obviously she's dropping the, the jacket and obviously everyone's just turning around and obviously Steve's just like, Diana, what the fuck are you doing, pretty much? And then she gets up and it's that full focus of her walking towards the camera and it's like blocking the bullets. I mean, that's like the, the, the first moment she's properly Wonder Woman. Exactly, because obviously... Exactly, because you've seen her fight prior to this from obviously the, mm-hmm. the scene in the alleyway when she's having to like block all the bullets... From uh, Steve, which was an, again another well sort of shot scene, but this is the first moment, as you say, when she's fully is Wonder Woman. For the fact that Don's entire armor is going into battle, yada yada, mm. and it's good. And obviously, it goes on even further, and obviously, she has to fight up. Obviously, this entire fucking town of uh, Germans. Mm. I was gonna say Nazis then, but that's World War Two, not World War One. We're talking too much about Captain America. <laughs> My mind's set <laughs> on World War Two. <laughs> These are like Hydra. (laughs) They're just normal, innocent Germans. Because this is before they were evil. (laughs) Well, they're still technically evil to an extent in this movie. Well, yes. But it's more like... not World War II level of evil. Yeah, this is just more like the inner war, not the committing genocide. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I agree. Yeah. As you can see, by the time when, like, that guy felt really sorry for, obviously, the drive implant to be a driver that oh, I don't want you to get hurt going through if that happened in World War 2 I think I would have been shot it would be like yeah you fucking hurt him <laughs> ah racism that uh, basically yeah, sums up that, that era yeah yeah oh god at least there's none of that there it isn't as bad in this film just sexism <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> a lot of it what she did she can't do anything <laughs> oh she's fucking she's taking all the bullets and surviving oh well I feel emasculated <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah cinematography Be- uh, beautiful <laughs> You got, you got, bit, you got me off track then. <laughs> yeah. Specifically, her fight scenes are beautiful. Definitely, they work so well. Like obviously, that the the lighting is all quite dark sometimes, which obviously helps with that whole whole era. Like it's dark and warful, whereas Femascara is so bright and colourful and vibrant, and the contrast obviously is a peaceful place, and that's where war is. Perfect. Exactly, and even like there's there's more subtler scenes like I think they're well shot and whatnot. Obviously, there's the, the interactions between obviously Diana and Steve when, when they're doing the dancing. I think that's a nice, well shot scene. And then the the bit when uh, she's on a horse uh, riding towards obviously the smoke, and Steve's obviously racing behind her. Again, that entire sequence is very well cinematography shot, whatnot. Mm. It's nice to look at. I agree. I agree. <laughs> One thing DC always get right is cinematography. Yeah. Might fuck up in a lot of other aspects, but cinematography is usually a good standpoint. Cinematography and, like, casting for certain people can be really good. Then there's the villains, and we don't talk about the villains, but the heroes are always cast really well. Exactly. 
Exactly. Mm. Uh, okay, uh, we'll move on to the score, and it's got a nice, mm. it's got a nice beat to it. I agree. There, uh, it has that badass side to it, like uh, she did in obviously uh, BBS, but it knows when to have that, that sympathetic like score in the background. This like nicer, yeah. calmer score, and then. And as you can probably tell, I fucking love the score. Of this film. <laughs> like that's the whole um, music when when she comes into the village and she's fighting. It goes to that like the moment when she hits the fight. And that's that when she first uses that whole. As you said, that like, the X Men kind of rip off the music. <laughs> and obviously, then it kicks into her that own actual thing. But specifically the music when she goes against uh, Tony Aries, Tony not this fake trucker. Yeah. Mm, but that, like, the music that scene, I have that on repeat when I'm reading stuff. Like when I'm like reading a book or something. And it's like an action scene, I'll put that on. And like you can like, imagine the fight scene because the music is fucking brilliant. To be fair, I, I've, I've been listening to DC soundtracks non-stop recently. Uh, so another, good, another thing DC always get right, in my opinion, is the score. There was no to yeah. have his kick-ass score in the background of Mexico. Oh, yeah. And even this, I'd say, remixed her theme from BBS with these extra themes. It obviously adds mm. inside. When it comes to that core moment, when obviously she does the fight, it kicks into her BBS theme, it appears. But it knows when to like package that in with like, its other, mm. other like, actions theme. So it knows when to give you that moment where you're like, Fucking yes, I know that fucking that's boy. Yeah. Yes, boy. You, you can fucking feel it coming as well. Like when it, like it quietens down, and and you, can hear it, you hear the did it, did it, that that the yeah. drum beat and goes, and it hits and you're like, fucking hell. It's the exact it's the exact same thing you'll be feeling when you watch Justice League because they package her yeah. theme in with like this new theme. They they mm. they amped up her theme even more. So it's like it's like the Avengers theme. Like when you can you hear it, like yeah, each that, each movie changes ever so slightly. Yeah, every time you hear it, the, the, you feel that particular beat coming in. You get that, that shiver and like, oh yes, like oh, the, like the four entrance scene specifically always gets me. And it's that that music and that one, them two worked so well. Exactly. If you look at that, like went from literally normal basic <laughs> Avengers theme to basically portals, which yeah. is a masterpiece, which is similar oh, yeah. to this. Obviously, this yeah. starts this. One little mm. beat, that like, the same sort of beat over and over again. And then uh, they've added mm. to it over the course of these three films and made, mm. obviously, this theme even more stunning, essentially. Yeah. And this and the, is... The, the, <sighs> that thing as well, like, it has that break, and it's like, oh, close, close, come in. Da, 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 I mean, it's fucking amazing. Exactly. Even the... Not just the score, though, the, the sound design itself, I think, is really good at times. It reminds me mm. of um, the hurricane scene in uh, Man of Steel when it just goes really quiet. So, so that mm. you jokingly at one point in this when oh, tell me you turn the remote down, can you turn it up again? Because <laughs> obviously it goes no. really quiet, doesn't it? That's when the um, explosion. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's oh, got, oh, it's right here. Good sound design, very good sound design. Mm. That's, uh, next up, we have the special effects, and apart from a bit, I'll get to in a minute. I don't think the special okay. effects are bad. Yeah, a lot of compl- like, there's a lot of complaints like, uh, to special effects for this movie. Bit like Suicide Squad, there's a lot of complaints to special hmm. effects, but I don't think they're bad special effects. I think they're actually decent special effects. The only obviously yeah. one I have the issue is obviously the Ares eyes, because you can tell it's obviously digitally put underneath. And I did state it would have made more sense not seeing the face, like you just like it's darkness underneath. Always like like a smoky blackness putting from exactly. it. Exactly. Not just crease visible that like, this guy is not definitely under there. But yeah, other than that, I don't mind the special effects. I think they're actually really solid special effects. I agree. Like, especially like when she uses like her um, like gauntlet power, which is just in the massive <laughs> fucking bright orange. Oh, when she fucking clangs them together. Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking brilliant. And I see the whole when she when she uses her lasso as well, like the bright, the proper bright, yeah, blinding yellow. When she uses it, and then when it fades away, you can see it slowly fading away. Oh, it's beautiful. Shut kiss. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get a good old go, go, um, Gordon Ramsay chef kiss. <laughs> Fucking <him> more. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> we'll move on to the, um, the action he saw, then. He saw the next film. He saw the next uh, Wonder Woman film. He didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll move on to the action then. And Overall, I think there's some very solid action in this movie. There's a lot of good action. Obviously, specifically, in my opinion, the best fight is the No Man's Land fight. Definitely. Obviously, it's not really a fight. It's just them shooting her. But, I mean, it's the, the idea of her... That, the blocking every bullet. The bit with the shield when she like, blasts... Bashes the fucking uh, uh, grenade at the way, and then well, mortar. Sorry, and uh, when she just drops down, she's taking that fucking uh, oh, was the the Gatling gun? She's taking the Gatling gun fire. Yeah, she's just there sliding backwards. That was fucking really yeah. well done. And even to be fair, though, obviously, this obviously his face is a bit annoying. The Ares fight, it still was quite interesting to watch as well. Obviously, the fire yeah. surrounding him, him throwing everything at her, her yeah. having to like blast him and what. It was still a very good fight. And even the London Law fight, yeah. Uh, when uh, he took the power and he's there, just fucking smashing. He just he's doing the most like basic fight ever. Just just throwing stuff at her, like yeah, yeah. Um, uh, kitchen sink. Huh. Mm. <laughs> we have a she fight. It's good. Even the the training at the start, uh, not mm. like, not the very start, but when she's like all grown up and she's training yeah, with her. She thought she's the power. Yeah, she's training with Antiope, and uh, she's mm. obviously bash uh, getting the crap kicked out eventually. Like, uh, oh, you're weak. You. You, you can't be doing this on the battlefield. And obviously, then you say, she just puts a gauntlet together and blasts the shit out of her. It, it, mm. it, it's a very... Obviously, there's a lot more action in this than there was in Suicide Squad. But this is more like, like superhero action in the sense of physical combat rather than, obviously, Suicide Squad was gun and there's a few weapons of combat. Mm. So I'll, I'll give them a top marks for action. I mean, even like the scene when, he, when she fights um, B-Tech Red Skull. Still a pretty good fight. I feel like both evenly matched, but she's still more skilled because obviously it's fucking Amazonian. Exactly. Now, where's my uh, Amazon Prime delivery, please? Um, after, after is, is, he st- is he stuck Bezos. in uh, Femascara again? Yeah, and it's, you know, Jeff Bezos it. got it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. And then, you know what time it is, don't you? Boom, yeah. boom, 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 boom. So, who wants to be a millionaire? I'm Chris Tarrant. I went to the site. Hayden's editing error. Sorry. My bad. I, I misread it again. 50-50. Uh, we've only got phone a friend left. Oh, okay. Then. I'll find a friend. Um, I'll call you uh, because I, I don't clash James I like to friends. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, Editing-wise, it's, you know, the same. <laughs> It's like the other ones. Nothing special. <laughs> nothing special. But nothing bad. But it, yeah, nothing bad either. Like, you can't really knock it, but there's better editing out there. But, you know, it's all good. Okay, then uh, we'll move on then to pace of movie. Uh, pacing of the movie. I just... That didn't sound right coming out. Um, I, I think it's decent pacing. Obviously, it has this start, this, obviously this setting the present it brings you into the past then has this little build up of Diana obviously growing up obviously then obviously brings in the, the war side of it to her island then forcing her to go to the war and obviously building up eventually to the big empire I think it's decently paced I don't think like, it's when, too rushed and I don't think it's too know, slow yeah they know when to slow down and they know when to speed up exactly because it it, it it obviously it flowed perfectly and it it kind of flew by to be fair it, obviously, that's usually a good thing when it feels like the movie's just gone completely. You're like, well, obviously, if it's too slow, it just doesn't feel like, obviously, it's ever-ending. Or then... it's too fast, you're like, what the fuck happened there? Exactly, but this just does enough to make it feel like it's less than two hours, but at the same time, it is still two hours. And it's still fine, in my opinion. A bit like, we'll see with Justice League next week. Though it's yeah. three and a half hours long, it fucking flies by. You start watching it, eventually, you're like, shit, what the fuck, is that over? Like like Endgame, like it's going for quite a while, yes. but you know, you like you can sit there and you're entertained all three. You're not like fucking. No one's going to finish. Exactly. That's 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 what you know. It's a good film when, though it's long, it still keeps you entertained. Because as you say, as soon as you start saying, "Is this ever going to end?" I'm not. What yeah. the fuck? That that's when you know it's it's bad. But this obviously paced it well enough to make you go, 
Okay, I'm getting this. Obviously, it knows when to package the action sequences in within the rest of the story to keep that bit of ed like, edge of the seatness before bringing you back to the normal story, then bringing you back into the edge of the seat. It knows when to do it right, so that's good. Mm, I agree. And so the whole point is like, at, at first, they're trying to stop the like gas from like, happening, and then it leads on to her getting revenge on fake Ares. Realizing it's not Ares, then going after the real one. I mean, like, there's the whole each the progression that works well, and it's done in a way you're not bored for watching any of it. Even the slow moments, they've got a bit of humor in them and a bit of heartwarming. So you actually want to watch them. Those parts. Exactly. So I remember mm -hmm. this coming back at. I think we're saying. June or July time in 2017, I think this came out. And I remember watching it in cinema. I think it was uh, June, I believe. I could be wrong. Don't quote me. Um, I remember watching this in the moment. I just really enjoyed it. I was like, this is good. So I think if I remember correctly, I went with my stepdad to watch that. And mm. he came out of it afterwards and goes, that was good. I enjoyed that. So it's, 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 it, shows, <laughs> it, it shows it's good when two people walk out and go, I enjoyed that. Yeah. It's usually, so maybe yeah. some divides sometimes between people on the walk out and go, I enjoyed that. Someone's like, mm, it was all right. That's when you know it's like, okay, maybe this film's not as great. But when two people walk out and go, that was good. That's when you know it's a good movie. And obviously, me and you watching it yesterday, we both come out of it going, enjoyment yeah. fulfilled. Like, ah, that, that was a good film, yes. Let's not watch the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want that film being spoiled for me. Yeah, but the thing is, though, if you watch the sequel, it'll make you love the first one even more, because you'd be like... That's why I think I love the first one even more now, after watching mm. the sequel. I'm just like... The sequel's shit, but the first one, whoa. It's outstanding mm. in comparison. Yeah, it's like... Sometimes, when a film's so bad, it's amazingly good. It's like, um... Like, watching it's like watching 4, and then going to watch 4 Dark World, and then watching 4 again, and obviously, though, 4 isn't a masterpiece. You watch it again, you're like, fuck me, this is fucking amazing. Yeah, it's way better. I mean, as we keep saying, the only really good parts of Dark World was Loki. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, there you go. <laughs> we'll move on then to production design. And it's got some very good production design. It very much feels like you're in World War uh, One. Very much feels like you're in dreary old fucking London, England. It right. Obviously, at the mascara start, looks start, fucking amazing. Yeah. At the start, you're in Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And then, the it on to, then it goes on to fucking... Syndicate. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it's, again, another thing DC always get right, production design. It knows when to fucking do it. And it had to get it right with this, because obviously being, they had to get, obviously, like you say, the, the whole old school London, right? They had to get the whole Femascara yeah. right, or else fans would definitely have gone crazy if they didn't get Femascara right. And, mm. obviously, the, the war side of it in France, they had to get that right. And, overall, four marks from me for the production. Yeah, I agree. Another chef's that kiss. Did I did great. Uh, mm -hmm. like, even like even like the the way all of the, the armors and weapons from Themyscira they look like they were some kind of Greek gods, kind of like designed. It felt legit. Like you, yeah, it felt like you walked back into like ancient Greece. You just walk around and see like a massive statue of Zeus with big pee pee. <laughs> exactly. And then you want to and you want to climb it like Odyssey. <laughs> Hold on to it. <laughs> oh god, I'm slipping. Oh no. <laughs> Insert Bruce. Oh no, then. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I'm slipping quickly. I'll use my trident that I stole off. Um, <laughs> After <trident>. man. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that is basically what uh, like my character in Odyssey is. It's basically Wonder Woman, but she stole Aquaman's fucking trident. <laughs> okay, uh, we'll move on to the script then. And I think it's a good script. I don't think there's not any, there's not really any lines in this from my point of view that is too cheesy or is bad. I think it's obviously the dialogue, obviously between the, between the group of uh, Diana's like group. Uh, Basically, as you say, Beta Calling Command knows. I think all their like interactions between each other is good. Mm. Uh, the dialogue between uh, Do uh, General Lundorf and Doctor Poison, their dialogue is good between each other. Uh, 
I mean, Eddie Candy's even, hilarious. Uh, dialogue's mm, fucking funny as fuck. Yeah, even Ares ones like were good enough. It's, and like the character specifically, it's yeah. a twist that ruined it. But what he was like saying works for like oh, uh, they don't deserve us. Yeah, yeah. And the whole like him trying to get her on his side and that works well. It's more of if only they choose a different twist, it would have been even better. Exactly, hundred percent agree. Uh, okay, uh, we'll move on to the ending then. So the ending is obviously Ares defeated. Steve went boom boom. Um, the war's over. Everyone's happy. Cut to present day. Diana's mm-hmm. base. Diana's basically uh, sending an email to Bruce Wayne, thanking him for. He's uh, hmm. the picture. Also telling him his uh, mom's name, uh, Martha, as well. Um, <laughs> and basically coming to terms with everything and that sometimes love and compassion is all that's needed. And it basically sums up the entire movie of her whole theme is that she has a lot of compassion and that she knows mm. that compassion sometimes outweighs the bad. Basically love outweighs the bad. Yeah. Basically, rom- yeah. it's basically a rom-com plot that mm-hmm. we secretly didn't know, but it's it's a good ending for this movie. I very much like the ending. Mm, it's basically if Percy Jackson was a rom-com. Yeah, basically, pretty much. And I like the, <laughs> I like the bit at the end, obviously, when she jumps off the building and she's like, she's not flying, but she's just gliding in the air. She's about to land. That's a nice like ending shot as well for the movie to end on. Definitely. So they could have, they could have fucked up the ending so badly, but I feel like it made sense. Obviously, you didn't really need much of a massive, massive ending. All you needed is obviously Ares to be defeated, cut back to the present, and then basically her to do something. And it, it mm. the basic is literally just her writing an email and just coming to terms and stuff. It brings the film into a full circle of the compassion that she learned from her mom coming out in her now. Mm-hmm. Helped by. Remembering that uh, old um, bit of PP she grabbed. Exactly. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Pretty much that. Because uh, if you think about it, obviously her mum, like she was compassionate, she didn't want to be uh, involved in like, man's war and whatnot. Whereas obviously, obviously that's gone in her mind, the whole not getting involved because the whole Steve being there, that's like intertwined from mum's sort of ideals and made a new ideal for her. So, as I say, it brings the film into a full circle by bringing two of her characters that are close to her into one, essentially. And I think it leads on to her becoming this protector of man. Exactly. Pretty much. And leads her to have a relationship with Bruce. Exactly. Because, you know, them two are definitely a hunker hunker. Boop, boop. Yeah, because Superman's dead. Remember, he's dead. They can't can't do it. Exactly. <laughs> totally. Anyway, uh, we'll move on then to our favourite moment segments. Um, I've said it many times what my favourite moment is. My favourite moment is hands down No Man's Land. Specifically oh. the shot of the ladder when she gets up and she's walking mm-hmm. to the camera. That specifically is my favourite moment in this movie. I thought you were going to say the moment when she was getting like, dressed and there was like, changing different outfits. Shopping, the shopping scene. I thought you were going to say that. <laughs> I'm having very much uh, Vietnam flashbacks right now. <laughs> I've been stuck outside of a shop while someone's get, uh, buying shit. <laughs> I'm having real bad Vietnam flashbacks right now. Why? I mean... Because standing around by a clothes shop is boring as fuck. Go to your section then. It's a women's clothes shop. Well then, three and four. <laughs> you could go down to the game like Dan does. That's no, too far. Okay, Helen, what's your favourite moment then? Um, I'd say that moment, and also like that, the No Man's Moment is definitely one of my faves. But I also really like um, the, the scene where like she's holding the tank, and she's about like oh, I bet she crushed Doctor Poison. Yeah, that's a good scene as well because like you can see like the, f- the f- anger in her, but also she's questioning should i do this you see like the whole like conflict she has with herself 
internal struggle. Mm. Angel and Demon on the shoulder, essentially. Basically, yeah. And it's good. Also, it shows how fucking strong and badass he is. He's holding up a fucking tank. I agree. It was a really, really good scene, that was. I agree. But I'm just going to stick with No Man's Land. That that scene, and any scene where she uses her music. Yeah. (laughs) Good. Uh, Good solid soundtrack. We've already stated that many times. Ken, uh, we'll move on to the important part of the day, which is rating this movie. Uh, so, obviously, I've always stated, love this film. Good soundtrack, mm-hmm. good cinematography, good action, good acting, good story. Mm-hmm. You name it, it's got it. It's a very solid DC movie. It's a different change of pace to what we've had over the last three movies. Uh, so, with that, I'm personally going to give Wonder Woman a... Solid 9 out of 10. I agree. Uh, 9 out of 10, definitely. But that, that would be mine as well. Because if they had the whole, like, our twist, they got us to work for them. And they had the our twist to it. <laughs> Hi- hire us. We know what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> they would give it 10 out of 10. Exactly. I agree. <laughs> yeah, if they did, did air is better, it would have been, like, brilliant film. Yeah, perfect. If it, obviously I say if they did Aries Bay, it probably would have been, obviously, mm. it would have been very much the up best, there. The exactly, but obviously they fucked up the twist, so it brings that down a little bit. Mm. Okay, um, so that gives a uh, Wonder Woman a Chatter Cave overall rating of nine out of ten. Uh, yeah, that's correct. That's math. <laughs> <laughs> got, your, got your little calculator, right? Beep 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 beep. Yeah. Yep. My brain. Might have turned. Okay, uh, we'll move on then to our Chatter Cave MVP award. And uh, mm-hmm. this week, we, you know, we both agreed. Mm-hmm. She, she grabbed the, the runner-up award uh, two weeks back. Yeah. And for the, she's, you know, she's gone one-up this time, so she's her first uh, you know, person to win the runner-up and the actual award. So our Chatter Cave MVP award for this movie is Diana, played by Gal Gadot, because... She's incredible. She brought that yeah. fucking amazingness she brought in BVS, that few sequences she was in, into this like fucking two hour movie. And it's one of the main like one sorry, not one of the main, but one of the many reasons this movie is very good overall. Definitely. Like I was like not only does she add that badass, but she adds those like emotional moments that make us seem more like human and more down to earth. Also has scenes where she looks like an unkillable god. So, you know, really good. Really good there. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously our runner-up this time round, we both agreed, Etta Candy, played by Lucy Davis. <laughs> she she brings the comedy value and the, the extra little bit of heart we need in this movie. She's hilarious. She's great. She's well-acted. <laughs> She's a good character. Shame we didn't get to see more of her. And there is yeah. a, I will point out, hey, there's a little reference to her within the the sequel. There's a little picture of Diana and her together. So they got, mm. obviously they, eventually obviously must have hung out a bit more. A shame we didn't I, get I, to see it. Mm, like an end credit scene. Yeah. But then like. The swarmer, the swarmer scene. scene. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Mm. Um, I'll give you my question today then, Hayden. So, my question of the day this week is, what other female DC superhero, could mm. be villain, doesn't matter, uh, would you like to see get their own solo movie? Zatanna. I put I that on my that. list, and she's already getting one. Sure. There's one in the works. Uh, one was released, like, an image recently of, like, the, like, the upcoming, like, Slater films, like Shazam, Battle of the Gods, Aquaman 2, basically all the stuff, and Zatanna's name was one of them. Zatanna yeah. and Batgirl were two of the ones on there. Definitely, like, the background would work, but I think there's a ton of mostly, because obviously... Magic. Yeah, ma- the, it would open more to the magic side of DC. Exactly, because obviously they haven't really done that yet. They're, they're probably, like, they've kind of touched upon it in this film. They kind of touched upon it as well in Shazam, because obviously mm. the whole magical aspect in that, but it's not fully the magical. We- yeah, like, they'd be more cool to like, have the full essence of it, and also they might even introduce Dr. Fate. Like maybe like at the end, her father uses. I feel like I think he's in a. I think Doctor Fate's in the Black Adam. Yeah, 
Is it? I think the I think uh, Doctor Fate, Atom Smasher, and Hawkman. Mm. I believe, all, and there's someone else as a female. One I can't remember who she is, off the top of my head. Mm. It's not Hulk Girl. It's someone else. Basically, they're all uh, going to be in that movie. But yeah, it would be interesting. Obviously, that would be a way. Obviously, to bring it would have been an interesting way to bring him in as well. Mm. I agree with that, Zatanna. I think remember in Young, Young Justice, the whole point is obviously her dad becomes Doctor Fate. Exactly. Hmm. Or another spin of, another like spin of it is uh, Poison Ivy. That'd be a good oh, one. That'd be a good one. Well, Otherwise, they were they were going to do a Gotham City mm, Sirens at one point. Like so. like like the Venom film, basically, like just more on her because of all of the villains, like her and Harley are the ones that could be used as anti heroes because they, they, there are times when she's not as bad. Exactly. So, mm, that could work. It would also be a good idea to use them and like use like a story of her and Harley. They can be into that. That'd be quite cool as well. Exactly. But mostly one to ten because you know, John Constantine. Put him back in. Exactly. Uh, you can could technically use the CW one because it's Constantine. <laughs> exactly. Uh, another another one I had. Obviously, I've already said I said Hawk Girl in uh, that comment when I was saying. Uh, she's not mm. in Black Adam, but I feel like Hawkeye would make an interest in her solo film for the fact that we had her in Legends and we never got to really see much of her. They, they in my opinion, they really underused Hawkeye and Hawk, uh, Man in Legends in the first season. Yeah, they did. So it'd be interesting to have like a, her own solo film. Like, mm. That'd be quite cool. Uh, another one I had was Black Canary. It could mm. be the one that we saw in Birds of Prey. Could also be a, obviously a more obviously comic accurate version. But either way, it'd be an interesting way that would be to bring Green Arrow into the fold. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they have a okay. romantic thing. Plus, obviously, if you looked at uh, Birds of Prey, obviously a lot of the focus was heavy on Harley, which was a shame mm-hmm. because they used, but they basically they basically misused Birds of Prey. They could have used that as its own movie. Mm. And obviously, we only got like one scene of uh, Black Canary using her powers, so it would it would be interesting to actually have proper like a vigilante Black Canary solo film, as I say, which would be a good way to then bring in. Oliver Queen, so yeah, because uh, as you said, like they're very well connected. Exactly. It's in Arrow, they've got three different versions of her. <laughs> exactly. So it, it that'd be interesting. Obviously, there's fucking there's, there's fucking loads of other female superheroes or super villains that could make yeah. into many fucking movies, and not just DC, Marvel as well. There's fucking there's so many comic book characters that could get their own adaptions. So it'd be interesting to see what the uh, future brings. Um, yes. I, think, mm-hmm. I think that pretty much uh, covers everything. Uh, so yeah, uh, <laughs> that's it for Chaco podcast this week. And uh, yeah, join me and Hayden next week as we take a look at not the theatrical version because fuck that movie. We're no. probably going to slate it anyway within that review. So you know, uh, we're going to take a look at the technically three and a half hours because it's half hour worth of fucking credits. Uh, movie that is Zack Snyder's Justice League, which was recently released. And I don't think Hayden's watched it yet, have you? No, I'm Hayden waiting hasn't. for you. I've watched it and it's good. I'm I'm very interested to see her perspective on it. So, uh, yeah, I've been your host, Ranking Thomas Shoes. Mm-hmm. We, we live in a society. <laughs> and this has been Chat Cave Podcast. And uh, Hayden, uh, it you know it, it has been it's been a nice day, a sunny, bright day today. Uh, you fancy getting some uh, train station ice cream? And that's not my attempt to uh, get you by a train track to push you into a train so I can steal the company from under your nose. Are you sure? So why is James coming out then? Uh, No reason. I'm not, definitely not going to try and push him as well. Well, you know, it's, it's how you would want to go. Death by train. Of <laughs> <laughs> all people. <laughs> so uh, train, tra- train station ice cream? Yeah, okay. Excellent. What's that over there, Tom? What? Ah!